welcome to Positively Entertaining Conversations. And this is your host, Guru Oliver, and sometimes curious guest, Mappa. Mappa! <laughs> it might be like an old question, and okay. what, what, um, what car would you want to drive when you got your driver's license? What car would I want to drive? An 80, 80s model Monte Carlo. I don't know what that is. It's a really cool car. What would you want to drive? I would want to drive um, a Ford F100. A Ford F100, what color? Dark red. You know what my favorite pickup is? What? Silverado. Again, I don't know what that is, I forgot. Well, you'll have to look it up. So what else you want to talk about? Hmm. I also want to ask you another question. Okay. Um, did you used to play video games when you were a kid? I did not play video games when I was a kid. I played video games when I became a young adult. So I didn't play my first video game until I was, let's see. I played Two. a friend's. I played a friend's video game. I played Super Mario um, with my friend Amy um, when I lived in Spearman, and so I was probably ten or eleven. So that was the first time I played a video game. I didn't actually own a video game until I was nineteen, and my very first video game system was yes. a Super Nintendo, and it was Mario Paint. Wait, was it S SNES or NES? I remember that. It was an S, a, a Super Nintendo. Oh. So it was SNES. Wow. And, it, and, it, and oh, then I got a Nintendo 64. When? When I was 22. And what year then? Well, you do the math. I was born in 1976. Um, so you got it when you were 22. Mm-hmm. That was like 2000. Nope. What? Hold on. Nineteen ninety-eight. What? Well, wait. Math. I I think I actually did seventy-eight. Oh my god. Yeah, your math skills are lacking this. I morning. accidentally did seventy-eight instead of seventy-six. That's okay. We oh, all we all accidentally do stuff. So we had a big storm the other day, and you were at the public pool. It wasn't the other day. It was a few. It was like. What is the other day? The day not today. So um, the other day we had a big storm and you were at the public pool, right? Yes. We were going to go in, but they said they're closing due to a storm. And they wanted to stay here till one of y'all answered, maybe. And um. Oh, so they called us? Um, they tried to, but the thing was, like, like the thing was acting dumb, and, and they tried to text like Alicia's, Alicia and and um, I mean Liam's mom. Mm. And so they couldn't get anyone. No. Yeah. And then That's, I was like, I was at work. I was in session, so they need to have mom's phone number, huh? Yeah, and they were gonna. Locked their bikes, and I was gonna ride. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not dealing with this. And then right when I was riding, I saw a lightning strike. Yeah, that was scary, huh? Yeah, and I told them I saw lightning, and then we rushed home. Yeah. Bye. Good evening, fellow listeners. Welcome to the positively entertaining conversation show. Our discussions are real. Our people are real. So come, join us for some laughs and maybe some tears. Join our family on this magical rainbow ride. Please welcome my brother from another mother, my friend, my confidant, Guru Brando. And his curious guest, we just don't know. So it is time to sit back and enjoy the show. I naturally talk loud. Look at that. I'm all up in the red. 
Yes, yes you are. Okay, baby. So, I got some cool stuff to do today. What's that? You look nervous. <laughs> nervous is good. Okay, well first, we have to welcome our guests. Welcome to Positively Entertaining Conversations. I'm your host, Guru Brando, and this is my more permanent guest, my wife. What's your name? Lady Elizabeth Autumn McReynolds Brother. You are Lady, and I am Lord. It seems really weird to say Lord, so I just use Guru instead. So I'm Guru, and you're Lady, right? Okay, it's better than Master. Yes. You because technically, technically, Lord Brando. <laughs> but technically, um, in my field, I'm a master practitioner, and so I would be called master, and that's really uncomfortable. So I call myself guru. Okay, so what all do you call yourself besides lady, besides mom, besides wife? What else do you call yourself? Student. Student. What else? Um. The one you're most famous for. What am I famous for? Soldier? I was going to say cook, but yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. You're infamous for your cooking skills, and you are famous for being a soldier. Now, when I say the word famous, what does that conjure in your mind? Um, I can take it down to my level where it's, you know, like at the family level. You know, and famous pretty much just means that everybody knows, you know. Who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's not like I'm, oh, I'm famous or anything like that. Okay. But you are, though. You are famous. You've been in newspapers, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Kiss Heard Around the World. You've been on the news, you know, with me. Um, what else would say that you're famous outside of our little house besides uh, media because you know that's what I was talking about media so what else makes you famous outside of our house um, um, I don't know word of mouth right not just media but socialization huh mm -hmm. because when you hang out with people all of a sudden you become famous for things that you do oh. what are you famous for in our circle of friends with mandy and chris making beer maybe These, uh. okay so your perception is that you might be famous for making beer because that's something that you do so that is also another facet besides wife and mom and student right and chef you're a beer brewer um do you enjoy your beer I do, I do. What's your favorite part of brewing? Um, um, I think my favorite part of brewing is just actually the brewing portion of it. You know, you're okay. checking the temperatures, and you're making sure that, you know, it's got to be between like 150 and 155 for a certain amount of time when you're steeping grains, and so it's a little bit of chemistry, and that's a lot of fun. Chemistry is fun. I've been saying that for years. You never believed me. I don't recall Beth didn't like school. That. Beth oh, I did not like school. like school. That's okay. She didn't like math. She didn't like science. She didn't no, like No, actually, anything. I did like science. I did. I just didn't like Science is where you and I met. Yeah. Is that why you like science? Absolutely. Yes. Good job. And the science class we met in was Coach Music. So that's interesting that we both have a strong tie to music and where we actually met was in science class. That's funny. Coach, you never thought no, of that? not until just now. <laughs> well, Coach see, music. See, oh, Lord. I, I think, I think a lot. Well, okay. I think sometimes. All right. <laughs> so I have something fun for us to do. I have to position myself where I'm comfortable so I don't look all fidgety like you. And you got to stop squeaking the chair. We're going to have to pause it and WD-40 it. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize I was squeaking the chair. It drives me nuts. How do you not realize it? Did you just hear it? I just heard it. Okay. So I have in my hand one of my clients, which y'all know if y'all watch the podcast, Toby. 
I had a visit from Toby and his dad, Andy. So they plan to be on a podcast soon. But in the meantime, because school's starting and there's a whole lot of scheduling conflicts, in the meantime, Andy gave me a folder of questions that he's a teacher, so he asks his students some of these questions. They're pretty damn amazing. Like, these questions are great. And um, when I have Toby and Andy on, I'm going to ask Toby some of the questions. What I decided to do, instead of go through them and pick a question, I picked a stack of them, and you're going to pick your own question, and we're going to discuss. All right. Is the nervousness even more now? Yeah. Oh, it should be. These are really good. Okay. So I'm not going to let you see the questions. Well, how am I supposed to pick them? Exactly. (laughs) You're going to pick pick them like a card. card. That's no fun. (laughs) I wanted to read each question. I know you did. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way with me. I am never that easy. Whatever. Okay. So now I am fanning them out. For those of y'all who are not watching, I have a stack of papers and I'm fanning them out. And Beth is getting ready to pick her poison. So thank you, Andy, because this is fun. All right. <laughs> Let's I, I, do for, this. I hate this. I know. That's why I love it so much. Okay. I, I don't look at it yet. Now, just for perspective, before you actually read your question, I'm going to read you what my main pick was. So then this puts, this looks much better because whatever this is, is better than what I was going to ask you. So this will be a question that we will discuss later, probably not on this podcast, but we'll see. So the question that I actually wanted to discuss was, what is your favorite memory? Be detailed. Where were you? What happened? What else was there? What did they do? What happened next? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I have several favorite memories. And oh, actually we're not have, talking about that. Uh, and have, see? I have a few. <laughs> okay. So that's why I didn't, you know, I was going to let you pick. All right. You ready to read your question? God. Here, I'll read it. Oh, even better. I don't like that face. Okay. Are you ready? <clears throat> let me assume my position here okay shit's about to get real y'all get ready what is your very earliest childhood memory Hmm. be wait 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 be detailed where were you what happened who else was there what did they do what happened next i will leave this here for reference for you gosh this is going to be fun guys my earliest childhood memory that's tough oh wait before we carry on we're fixing that chair. Oh, because I keep rocking it. Hold on, guys. Okay, guys, we're back. Beth had to change chairs because that one was annoying as crap to me with the squeaking. All right, so we have the question. And you've had a minute to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think my earliest memory, and it's really hard to tell because um, I have to go back to the memories that, you know, that really... All I can remember is just maybe a small bit of it because there wasn't a whole lot I was really aware of it, you know, way back then. Um, and, you know, and like I can remember a lot when I was five. But okay. prior to that, I don't remember, you know, very much. Okay. Um, but I do remember going to watch Star Wars in the theater in Germany. Wow, such a nerdy memory. I don't know why I thought it would be not nerdy. I think that's the oldest memory I have. That's why I married you, because you're a nerd. I love and that. And Star Wars came out in 77. I was born in 76. And it takes at least a year, I think, six months to a year for a movie at that time to make it to where we but were. But you were in Germany, yeah. yeah. So, so you could actually like, look up where you watched it. It would have been 78 or 79. Well, you could look up. Where, where did you go to watch it? Because, oh, see, um, one of pro- the questions is where. We were probably in Berlin. But you don't remember what movie theater? Was it on post? Um, it was like... Um, Look uh, at them. Gosh, it's been so Tell long. Me. Trying to describe, you know, you remember what the apartments look like in Germany. Yes, And how I it's do. sort of a cul-de-sac. Yeah. And, um... It's, well, anybody who's familiar with military post yeah. understands that. Where we were, it was, you know, it was very similar to that. Um, there were some differences, of course. You know, I think it opened up to the economy... Um, much easier. There wasn't like, you know, you didn't have to go through guard 
gate or anything. Yeah, I got you. And um, I think the only time that we ever, that I remember ever going through a guard gate was when we went into um, into East Berlin. That was interesting. But uh, but the earliest memory I have is, is watching Star Wars. We went to the theater. Um, I do not remember who took me. I know it wasn't my parents. It was somebody else. I want to say it was like my mom's friend, Donna, you know, who was a really good family friend. And a lot of those times when I was really young, my parents, you know, had problems. You know, there's a lot of domestic violence. And um, so I think that, you know, it might have been something like that. I could be way off base as far as who took me. Um, but I do remember seeing it. I remember seeing the part where they uh, were R2-D2 and C-3PO where they escaped the, the, their ship that's being captured by the... the I know that part. Star you tell them, don't tell me. And um, and I remember we walked there because we walked by McDonald's. And um, there was something about, you know, the way that area smelled that I remember. Fast food, yeah. yeah it was like fast food and garbage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it smelled like a county fair? I mean, fair? I was like this tall, so whenever I walked by a garbage can, it was right in my face. So, so it smelled like a county fair, <laughs> Basically. right? Basically. And so it smelled like fast food and garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, so who else was there? You yeah, and Donna? It's, that was it's, it? Well, honestly, I... What you remember. This is all based on your earliest I know memory. I've, I know that she used to take me and my sister places while we were there. And, and I just, I can't quite remember ever looking up to see whose face it was, whose, you know, hand I was holding. And, um... Just, I don't know. I think I was just too young to have all those details. So, it was just some bright, flashy thing that I so remember. It's almost old, an image. So how old would you have been? You were born in 76, and this was what? It was probably 78, 79. Okay, so 78, 79. Yeah. Wow. So that's like legit what you can remember. Do you remember what happened next? No. No. It's, it's all like, that's just it. It's was like there, a memory in the dark. You know, you, you look in the dark and you see a sort of image and you squint to see it. That's that memory, you know. <laughs> but it was the most impressionable memory to you. And you look at your age. Did you ever think that our kids might remember something that happened when they were two? Um, I believe Bubby would. Bubby's got like the memory of an elephant. Yeah, he, um, it's one of his superpowers. It's, you know, um, Oliver has a superpower with dates and, um, and electronics. And Quentin has this superpower that I totally don't get at all. But he, well, he has a few. One, he can remember, like, weird, significant, insignificant things. <laughs> like, the, the strangest, most insignificant, like, a, he can remember a cobweb hanging in a corner of a building that he can't remember. He only remembers the cobweb, not the building, not the location, but yeah. that one insignificant thing is what he remembers out of the whole. It could be Disneyland. We could have taken him to Disneyland, and he'd have no concept of Disneyland, but he would remember the spider web and be able to describe it as if he were looking at it. That is a real superpower. It really is. So my earliest memory... If I really think hard, is being in my mom and dad's waterbed between the two of them, and my dad saying, "You wet the bed again," and I, 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 I had no idea what that the significance of that memory was until I actually mentioned it one time to my sister or or to my sister, and my dad was present. And he said he absolutely hated water beds, and occasionally he would elbow to move around in bed. You know, you use your elbows, and he'd elbow it, and it would put a little tear in it, and it would leak. And it turns out when he said that to me, it wasn't actually me peeing the bed. It was the water bed leaking. He didn't even know what kid was in bed. <laughs> Right. You know, and we've been there where the kids have been between us. And it's like, we don't know who you are. We're just <laughs> accepting it. It's like, you're here. All right, we'll try not to squash you. And I think that very much that's what, you know, it was. Is Here's this memory that I have of my dad asking me, you know, if I wet the bed again. And um, 
and I don't even have any memories of wetting the bed and and you know I've asked my siblings and you know my my mom and and uh, I didn't actually wet the bed for a long time you know I mean I was potty trained so I believe that this time period had to have been when I was being potty trained right you know that would make the most sense to me so I would figure it was probably about the same age that you remember um so I was probably I don't know I was maybe three or four um I only say that because I don't think I was potty trained Right. well until I was three um, and the house that we lived in at the time was a house that burned mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> so yeah that's uh, where where I was and what happened and who else was there and what did they do and what happened next the only thing that I remember that happened after that was that I was wet and I got out of bed that's all I remember. So, you know, that's my earliest memory. Do you have um, a favorite memory? Um, I have several, really. Um... Okay, let's do this. What's your favorite childhood memory, your favorite teenage memory, and your favorite adult memory? Okay. Break it up. Oh, childhood memory. Oh, look, you see my paints? I'm wearing my favorite paints, my stretchy paints. I think one of my favorite childhood memories was me and my cousin and a couple of friends riding bikes through the trailer park, sharing a soda back and forth. (laughs) That's mono. God. We didn't get mono. Okay, I got mono, so now I'm all weird We got nothing but an empty can of soda that eventually went to the bottom of somebody's shoe. Well, you know what? That's better than mono. <laughs> uh, mono is awful. And it's a real thing. I never thought it was a real thing. Okay, so what was your favorite then um, teenage memory? I know what it is because you've told me. It was a gift that you got that you didn't believe that you were going to get, and you got it and you couldn't believe it. What one gift did you want more than anything in the world? What well, that time? When I was in a your teenager, teenage years. was that Metallica box set. Yeah, and that's what you told me. You were like, the day that you got that was like the greatest moment. Yeah. So why? Yeah, I was so deep in the Metallica at the time. You know, I was I was a fanboy basically. You know, you just asked me a Metallica fact, and I knew it. Um, why did I just, they appeal I mean, to you so much? It was something in the music. You know, especially listening to the um, the Puppets album, you know, it was a really, it really connected with me. And, you know, and so it's just, that was the only way I could, like, give that energy back to the band was to learn as much about them as I could. So it was about investment. You mm-hmm. were really invested in them because you felt like they gave you so much. Yeah. So when was the defining moment where you were like, oh, I'm a little fanatical about it? Because you called yourself a fanboy. Oh, yeah. And fanboy means fanatic. I think that whenever um, I started to diversify my music, and this this really happened relatively recently. I mean, Yeah, I can attest to that. <laughs> For the you longest were... time, it wasn't like I just listened to Metallica. I just listened to one style of music. Metal, that was it. And, um, <laughs> and I kind of pigeonholed myself, and so... When I started to expand the kind of music I like, listening to different things, I started to discover that, wow, I kind of deprived myself of a lot. I think the defining moment for you was when I looked at you and told you that your kids and I liked music that you didn't like, but yet we always listened to your music. Yeah. That's when you finally were like, oh, there's other music? we're like, yeah, we don't even listen to 80s music. We only listen to it because of you. I listen to a lot of things now. Right, but how did that make you feel when we told you that? Um, well, it just made me reflect on, on the fact of the matter. What did I know about music? You and, know? So so, and the only way I could get that feeling to go away is to listen to different kinds of music. So would you agree then that the people in your circle are the people that help you to evolve? They give you diverse options and opportunities and ultimately, it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to advance with them. 
right? Mm -hmm. So it's much easier for you to listen to family and advance with family because you love your kids and you're going, oh, they like something different. I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. You know, he likes something different. I'll check it out. What prevented you from doing that when, when you were younger? You know what I'm saying? Because if, if you look to family to be the ones that tell you, um, you know, what your opportunities and options are, mm -hmm. if you look to your family for that, for that diversity, how come you didn't have that diversity when you were young? Because you, you were really um, with your family all the time. Yeah. Um, the standard music in the house was country and western. Because um, that's all Dad would really hear. Um, Ellen, she came in and she, you know, added some a little bit more classic rock to it. And that was nice. Okay, people um, don't know who Ellen is. Ellen oh, is step your stepmom. Yes. Yes. And, She's um, a great, great lady. She, had, she added a lot of, of um, you know, rock to, to the general music. And, you know, and I, I appreciated that. Um, and I think that that's, you know, and then when I grew into my teenage years and I got out of the 80s, you know, sort of pop, pop music <laughs> and stuff like that. And I found, you know, something that was, it was so much more raw, you know, than... It touched you emotionally is what happened, right? Yeah. Because it, you're... It spoke to, you know, I was angry and it spoke to that. You're, in case you don't know, and I know that you know, Beth, but in case listeners or viewers don't know, we typically change our our lifestyles based on our knowledge, right? I mean, that, that can be a safe assumption. You change your lifestyle based on your knowledge of what it looks like. Yes. Okay. So doesn't it stand to reason that if you start changing who you are um, emotionally, your thought processes, all that stuff, then stuff in your lifestyle would start to change. Like your diet changes, the way that you um, communicate changes. Some people text, some people don't. Um, also, your taste in music. So all of those things change when you experience personal growth. One way or another, you can either grow you know, better ideas or you can grow more destructive ideas, right? So you can grow in a negative way and in a positive way. Because even negative growth is what? Growth. Growth. So even if you grow in a negative way, it doesn't mean you've made a mistake. It means that you now have a, a view of something else, right? Like, I started doing forensics before I did life coaching. Why do you think I would do that? Um, well, at the time, I understood it as you had an interest in in trying to obtain a career, you know, in that department. Right. Um, but I, you had no idea, though, that I wanted to go the life coach route mm -mm. because I just kept all of that shit on lockdown. Um, when I first started life coaching, it was a little bit embarrassing, you know, to because the old stereotype of, you know, you have some shit in your life and then you become a life coach, right? Okay, so... I wanted to make sure that life coaching was actually a calling for me and not that. Yeah. Not, oh, I had shit in my life, blah, blah, blah. It works the same way with music, you know. Right. Um, a real, you know, the artists that really touch you is because they also have their own crap that they've gone through. So, yeah, if you think about it, um, people who write music, poetry, artists in general, they're all life coaches because we look to them for a feeling, don't we? You know, we look to art for inspiration. Mm -hmm. We also look for it for or look to it for comfort. You know, so you look towards art um, the same way that you do your parent, life coach, teacher. You learn something from it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, if I did forensics first, it gave me a view of the worst. Right. This is the worst of humanity. This is what can happen if you fail yourself, right? Because forensics, you're dead. So that's the only way you can really fail yourself in this lifetime is to die, right? Now, it doesn't mean that you fail yourself if you um, die at 100 years old, right? You're not really failing yourself. But all of your decisions lead up to your successful life. So if you wanted to live to be 100, then you're successful. You haven't failed, right? So death doesn't mean failure. Mm -hmm. But letting yourself die before you're ready, right? And that's usually accidents. 
So I'm, I'm really kind of just talking about accidents and trauma in, in that situation. So I looked at life coaching and I was like, this is the worst of humanity. This is where we go wrong. So if I look at that first, then the stuff that we do right looks really great. Yeah, kind of like what I did earlier with the questions. I held like this really intense question and, and kind of um, held it in my hand in case you picked it so you didn't pick it, you know. I was prepared. And so you picked one out of the other ones that is so much less significant than the one that I had. You know, um, the one that I had was very, very deep. And um, this one, not so much, right? It's sort of the same way. Um, I know as a teenager, you had an idea because we're talking about your earliest childhood memories and your favorite one, right? And your favorite one from childhood or from teenagers was the box set of Metallica. Yeah. And it led to an awareness though. And that awareness was that you were a fanatic at mm -hmm. one point about it. You explained why you were so fanatical because they touched you emotionally. You're an angry person and it touched you in that, in that way. They spoke to you because they were angry too, right? What do you remember hearing in Metallica or any of the other metal that said to you that this is angry, that this is what's appealing to me? Um, one of the first songs that, that really connected with me on that album was called Leper Messiah. And it's about the falsehoods of religion. And it's, it's sung in a very angry way because James Hetfield's family was very religious and they they took on certain religious doctrines that prevented his mom from getting medical attention and she died okay and so he has a lot of angst towards religion and so did you yeah talk about that tell me why you had so much angst about religion um i think that it for the first you know part of my life it was trying to figure out which one was the right one like i guess many people do and then eventually I figured out, you know, after I started to, to find, you know, little holes in the stories as I started to actually read the book. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. This doesn't make sense. Now, when you say holes in the story, we are just talking about yeah. you. We're talking yeah, about right. us. Just me. And this is, this is the, my point of view. Right. And here's the thing. Neither one of us holds a religious affiliation. And the Correct. reason we don't is because we follow nature's laws we um, choose to follow nature's laws first when it comes to our thoughts and our feelings, right? right? And our thoughts and our feelings are our spirit. So we are spiritualists who look to nature to find that divinity, that divine um, feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you fast forward through your religious contempt, you can understand that you had that because of all the diversity that you were getting at once. Yeah, and what I determined was that religion as I understood it was man's doctrine. Yeah. And I wanted something that was deeper than that. So you wanted your own knowledge. Yeah, I wanted and, it to yeah. be personal. You know, right. you can't be personal if you have to have a go-between. Well, i got to go see a priest in order to right. talk to God. Yeah. No, every day I go outside, you know, and every day I commune with nature. Yeah. And you know, for us, or for me, I don't want to speak out of turn, but for me, you have Mother Nature and you have Father Time. And Mother Nature and Father Time had this wonderful, fantastic baby called humanity, right? So we live our lives, Beth and I live our lives, based on the principles of Mother Nature first. Because Mother Nature is the creator, right? So we are all nature. So if Mother Nature created us, Father Time is what governs us. So you have your feminine energy that's soft and subtle, you know, the subtle realm, the emotions, and then you have your masculinity that is your physical manifestation. So here you have these two energies that literally everyone possesses because the universe possesses it, right? Mm -hmm. So if the universe has positive light and negative light, feminine energy and masculine energy, and we are all created equally, and we're created in this image. If you are a Christian, you believe we're created in the image of God. So to us, God would be the universe, the universal energy, Mother Nature. Yeah. The and one so thing that we can't are be created nor destroyed. Right. If we are created in Mother Nature's image, and we are created as the universe is, we all have within us little universes. 
you know, and, and that's the truth. We all, on a cellular level, if you just keep breaking us down, we are all the same matter, right? Mm -hmm. And that's Very what forensics true. taught me. So I did forensics first, and I knew as a teen, my favorite memory was going through and trying to figure out who did what. It was that mystery all the time. I was always seeking answers. Yeah. So um, I'm like a lifelong learner. I love seeking answers. I like that um, a lot of the things, you know, that, that we, we believe in, you know, are also proven. Yeah. And it's yeah. also, a, you know, scientific fact. Yeah. My favorite memory as a teen was exploring humanity because that's what I did. If you really think about it, and you know how we like to dress up resumes, right? And we like to say, um, like, what's one that, we, that, that we've talked about? Like, you are, instead of you're just a, a mom or a housewife, you know, you're, you're a home manager, you're a, a chauffeur. You know what right, I'm saying? Yeah. So you can dress up any title, right? Yeah. Okay, so if, if you can absolutely dress up whatever you want, wouldn't you want it to make sense when you did, when you did dress it up? When you said, you know, I am a home manager. You want that to mean something. You don't want to just put the words together, right? Right. You want to say, okay, this is, this is who I am. And that's why I said, you know, that fanboy is fanatic. Yeah. You know, because if you can finally associate and understand what it is that you're actually trying to accomplish, you then try harder, don't you? Yeah, whenever you, you know, you're not kind of locked in, you know, into a narrow belief. So some diversity is good, but if you have too much diversity, it can overwhelm you and you can become fanatical. That's basically what I'm talking about is because you came fanatical about music, you can become fanatical about religion, you can become fanatical about anything. And I chose to be fanatical about life, you know, and that's how my teenage years were spent, being a fanatic about life. So I wanted every experience with every person I could possibly have. And that led me to a path of destruction because the thing that I was seeking was validation. I wanted to feel valid in my emotions as a teen. And so did you. Wouldn't you say that that's why you came fanatical about music? Because you wanted to feel valid as a teen. Yeah, you I, wanted someone else to be able to identify with your feelings and your thoughts. Yeah, and I, I think I found validation in music that I didn't find in people. Yeah, and I was the opposite. I found validation in people and experience and not in media at all. I didn't really watch a lot of TV. We had three channels, you know. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have a cell phone. I had a pager, you know. But as a teen, it was all about experience. I don't think I was ever home, you know. So for you to have a good memory of getting not just what you want, but what your calling was. Because that also started you moving into adulthood that started you wanting to play guitar. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so as an adult, you've got you've gotten several favorite guitars and and gotten rid of them and you've experienced that wonderful feeling whenever um you can play something, you know, that that you've looked at and you've practiced and finally you can video it. And you've done that a few times. Yeah, yeah, I've made some some decent ones and some not so decent ones. <laughs> Everybody does though. But there's no such thing as a mistake. And I don't know that you've always understood that, have you? Because there's no right or wrong, no beginning and end. It's only change. Mm -hmm. Our entire existence is only change. Right? We change from one state to another state as mm -hmm. far as energy goes. Yep. But we never stop existing. We've always been, so we don't even have an origin point. You know, you can say that you started your life on August 21st, 1976, but that would be a lie. It would be. You know, and you know that you started your life the same time everyone else did. Yeah, when I woke up. Yeah. March 15th, 2018. And that's when you started living as opposed to just existing, right? Mm -hmm. But you have existed for a very long time. You've existed before August 21st, 1976. You've existed in several lifetimes before because energy's forever. So where'd your actual energy even come from? 
It came from, you know, your mom and your dad. It came from Father Time. Because when we're just Mother Nature, we're just pure energy. And then Father Time comes in and brings in humanity and says, okay, you are born of Jim and Star, right? Mm -hmm. So you're born of these two humans. So then they get to dictate what happens with your energy until you take over. So you took over when? When do you declare yourself an adult? Because that's what I want to tell them before we say, you know, okay, your memory is a child, your favorite memory is a teen. Now you have to look at when did I actually become an adult? Because that tells you what your favorite memory of adulthood is. I think it's when I was 17 because I, that's when I signed up for the military in the delayed entry program. So you view yourself as an adult when you signed up and went in? Yeah. I don't. I think that you were still so emotionally immature that when you signed up, basically you just stopped yourself from growing. Yeah. Um, when I, I mean, because I definitely wasn't. Because the person I was married to three years ago yeah, was still 17. I definitely wasn't emotionally mature. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I can see that going all the way through my military career, you know, as I, I, as I kind of matured and grew up behind people. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I'd have to say that's, that's a point in which I viewed myself as an adult because I was no longer going to listen to my father tell me what to do. Yeah. Or my stepmother or anybody. If, I was going to make my own decision and then the military was going to tell me what to do for the rest of it. Right. <laughs> so. Now, now, so can you honestly say then that you were an adult at 17? If no. you look at it now. When <laughs> no, did, I wasn't. Okay. So when did you become an adult? When can you um, actually identify? Okay, gosh. this is when I have become an adult. I don't think I, I really became an adult until, until I went back in the Army the second time. So you know, because the, my, my motivation for it was completely different. So you feel like you had enough maturity then to pick a job that didn't get you blown up right away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I might, you know, be someplace safe. You so know, whether then, that ended up being true or not. Yeah, which it was not because you went to the hottest place ever and drove a fuel truck. <laughs> yeah, so that was the first time. Did, yeah, it didn't really work well for you that time. I don't want to go back. That's not what back. I meant, though. This is literally what you did. You're I'm, like, uh-uh, you go... I don't want to go back into the army because I'll go back in as infantry. If I do that, I'll get killed and I have little kids. That's what you said. So yeah. then they were like, you know what? You could go into the Navy reserves and if you or you can go into the active Navy. And if you go into the active Navy, then you can reclass and you can get back in to the army, the green or the blue to to well, green, right? Well, that that happened a little bit differently. Um, but that's I, how it was the, told. The original idea was to join the fleet mm -hmm. because I was like, well, I kind of grew up in the Air Force and and I lived in the Army for so long. You know, I don't really understand, you know, the more nautical branch. So right. I thought I'd give it a try. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not that old. So I was <laughs> like in my early 20, 30s. No. Like no, 20s? You weren't because we had the kids like when we were 30. 24. Yeah. And they were, Alex wasn't even a year old. She yeah, was nine she was months. Ten months, yeah, whenever y'all visited me in California. Yeah, so she was nine months. So that would have been 2002, three. Well, I went, I, I left we got in 2005. Okay, so you left in 2005. So that's when it was, 2005. Yeah. Um, and the idea was to go to, they said, well, since you didn't, since you have, since you're prior service and you have dependents, we can't just take you into the active fleet for some red just tape how reason. They did it. And um, so they said, but there's a loophole. If you go, if you join the the reserves and you go to two drills, and then after that you can submit some paperwork to transfer into the active fleet. I was like, oh, cool, I'll do that. And, and you then, had already gone into the army and had been through yeah, like, recruiters. <laughs> Lie. I know these fools are job. telling me a lie, but you know, let's and see where I it looked, goes. Look, you got home and told me what you did, and I looked straight at you and I said, "So you're deploying?" And you were like, "No, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not deploying." And I was like, "So you're deploying?" <laughs> so what ended up happening was, I made it to one drill. They froze our status, and we deployed. And I didn't deploy on a ship either. No. <laughs> you were a CB. Yeah. So you were essentially infantry. So stupid. <laughs> because you were at the airport in Balad. 
and which at the time the airport in Bilal was really really well, hot. Yeah, I was on um, LSA Anaconda. Yeah. Yeah. And we were on a small base on LSA Anaconda that you know was all like SOCOM heavy, and it was it was cool. It was the experience was was intense at times. Um, it's the first time I remember looking at a um, uh, so word I'm looking for. I don't know a Middle East crescent moon. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, so let me tell you why I kind of I brought all this uh, brought all this to a head because I feel like your favorite memory and of course correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like your favorite memory in adulthood is being free from that military career. Yeah, it took me a little while to kind of get the hooks out of me. Yeah, you know that's always a process. But that relief that you felt. But being I, your yeah. own person, finally. When I wake up, you know, and I know that that is so far behind me now, it's it is relief. Yeah, and so I mean, I'm, I miss the people that I met, the people that I loved. They're you know my friends and my comrades, and you missed me more. Right. I mean, while we were deployed, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's what that motivation. I'm, you know, was. I mean now. Right. You know, I'm, I I miss the time sometimes. You know, some of the shit that we did, but. That was another time. That was another me. Yeah, it really was. And so, you know, I, I feel like my favorite memory as an adult is you coming home. So I can honestly say that's my favorite memory. It's not getting married to you. I can definitely, yeah. It's not having the kids. It's not any of that. My favorite memory is you coming home. When it comes to the level of excitement that I have surrounded by memory, sitting on the stupid airplane, waiting for them to open the damn door... <laughs> And then all to the kiss heard around the world, or seen around the world, because that's what happened. You got off. Yeah, they were like, no PDA, no PDA. And I was like, whatever. Yeah, and here I was, and you just couldn't resist, because I am pretty irresistible. Even as a woman, I was very irresistible. I'm just saying. I yeah, I heard me. about it in the ace the next day. Uh, what did they say to you? They were like, everybody was like walking in, and everybody's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you got off. How about flight. that PDA? Yeah, you got off the <laughs> flight and you come running in, and I was already talking to a news crew because they found me. I'd been there since like midnight, and you didn't come into like five, so we had a lot of time to talk, and and so I didn't realize that they were going to continue filming me, you know. So here you come, and you had come home on R and R, and I'd gotten pregnant with Lucas, and so when you got off the flight. I'm just yelling, McReynolds! Yeah. And you heard me, and here you are, this little soldier in this sea yeah. of huge, huge guys, and, and you see me, and I'm up there, and bigger than life, because at that time, you know, I'm big pregnant, and so you come running up, and we lock lips, and first of all, you didn't usually kiss like that. Like, you know, you're pretty controlled as far as um, public displays of affection, and this is one of those times that it was all emotion. And holy crap, you kissed me better than you did at our wedding. Yeah, and it was, it was all on the news. It was the Norman Rockwell sailor's kiss. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and I was so not ready for it. So I was taken totally off guard. And that's hard for someone to do, take me off guard. But I was. And so you got some shit about it. But nonetheless. I don't care. I wasn't sorry. Right. Favorite memory. So I would <laughs> what say. What are you going to do? <laughs> for me. I would say that's when you became an adult. When you had the awareness that we were more important to you than um, like your I just comrades. Came, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I then, came back from war, so no one's going to tell me. <laughs> yeah, so at that at that moment, I think you became an adult. And, and to me, that's my favorite memory. I think that I became an adult, um, well, when I started transitioning. I think for me, that's what it was. For me, I did not become an adult until I made that decision. I made the decision to become a grown adult and and live my own life. And um, so my favorite memory has to be that because I only had a very short window. I've only been an adult for seven years. I can say that's a, <laughs> I'm, that's a I'm grown. I'm grown now. That's a favorite memory that we share. Yeah, and that's always cool. You know, I like, we realized, though, that we have been married longer than we lived at home. So, essentially, you and yeah. I have raised ourselves, uh, or raised each other, longer than our parents have. So, I hope that our values meet up. 
You know, I always have that hope. I think right? they do. I don't know. I think that you value um, making racket more than I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You you'll are... have, as a matter of fact, you'll have to post that one picture of the, the ninja and then the lady wearing the band suit. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> that's who you are. It's like, I don't even know how you can make as much noise as you do, but the more quiet you try to be, the louder no, you are. I am not a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> like, even a little bit. And... And even though I think I'm, even my joints pop louder. <laughs> even though I'm big and loud and and crazy, whenever I get into my thoughts, I get very quiet. And sometimes it makes people paranoid whenever I get quiet because they're used to me being all crazy. So I feel that way about you. Whenever you're not kind of like you are, <laughs> when you are kind of quiet and still, it makes me paranoid. Like no, those, not, those are my moments of peace. <laughs> I, it freaks me out. So if you're not fidgeting with something, I'm like, oh my God, she's pissed. She's about to kill me. What should I do? Yeah, I'm not often still for very long. I know. And when you are, it's frightening. Do you feel that way? Whenever I'm quiet? Yeah. Yeah. I think most times when I'm, when I, if I become still, sometimes it's because I'm being introspective. Yeah, that's why it's scary to me whenever you start thinking, you know, internally. Because you have scary shit in there. You're welcome. <laughs> I love you. I love you too, baby. Did we discuss enough, do you think? Did we entertain you guys? Y'all never tell us if we're actually entertaining. You always say, good show. But, are we entertaining? I don't know, I guess we are. If somebody's watching us, we're entertaining somebody. You know, someone did ask me what that red, that red ribbon is right there. That's a key. And it's a key hanging from the ceiling fan because I'm short. And I can't reach shit in this house. And Our ceiling fans are nine feet up. Yeah, so I can't reach that. So that is a key hanging um, from the ceiling fan so I can get it. But it does sort of look like an arrow going to Beth's head. Mm. Does it? Yeah, I does. should I should put a little arrow on it, right? So we've heard from the people that we were concerned about, you know, last podcast. I said, you know, I haven't really heard from Michelle. Well, Michelle piped up. She's been watching. She's listening. So, you know, keep the feedback coming because I, I like to hear what she's up to. I don't get a whole lot of time to catch up with everybody, right? Who do you hear from? You heard from Pooja today. I did. I did. You know, she was talking about, you know... The stuff that's recently gone on in, Af in Afghanistan, and, and the U.S. pullout, and and now the the because smoking she's, remains because she's where uh, in India, right? And so she has a whole different perspective than we have on kind of what's going on with the war, right? Yes, yes. Um, right now, I, I think she just had a lot of questions. She couldn't understand, you know, why it happened the way it did, you know, and and. I don't, you know, I haven't done any research politically, so I didn't have really an opinion of why it actually happened, but I do have experience to know why it could have happened. Right. And, and um, which is you, what I gave her. That's what I was about to say. Were you able to give her some sort of comfort? Um, Maybe not comfort, but at truth. least some knowledge? Yeah. Knowledge, yes. Um, my hope is that she can come one day and visit us here in the States. Yeah, she really wants to. I, I would love, I would absolutely love to meet her. I'd love to have her on the podcast and, you know, just experience some diversity, right? Because I'm all about diversity, people. If if you have no diversity in your life, you're not really living. You're just going through the motions, don't you think? Mm -hmm. She's really worried about the, um, the, the women there, really, basically, in, in Afghanistan. What's going to happen to them, you know? If they get, you know, some super mega Sharia law put on them, then they're all going to be wearing, you know, burqas and stuff, and you're only going to be able to see their eyes. Right. You know, and they're just, they, you know, a lot of them just got a taste, you know, of freedom. And that's horrible to have to go back in the closet. Yeah. You know, because I did that. I went back in the closet. I moved out 14. I was, you know, living as... A, as a man, you know, or as a boy, rather. I thought I was grown at 14, so I was until, you know, I got raped and beat. And once that happened, I was like, you know what? I'm probably going to just be a chick for a while. So I went back in the closet, and it was torture. 
because I had had a taste of what it was to, to live that life, right? And even though that life was hard, it was still the life that I wanted to live. And right. I imagine they feel the same way, even though it's hard to be out and it's hard to not follow a religious law, you know, and be a minority, even though that's hard sometimes, you know, for real change to happen, you just have to dive back in, right? You either have to elicit change or you have to change where you are. Not that they can, you know, I'm not assuming anybody's position. I can't assume that position because I've never been there. But here in the States, if you want to be a part of something, you can be. And if you don't, you don't have to be. And that's not a freedom that they have. That's just true. You know, you know so... Um, there's some shifty things that happen governmentally all over the world. Is um, that a word? Yeah, it is now. It Govern- is now. Gov- now it is. <laughs> governmentally. <laughs> what, what did you and, say? Um, governmentally? Yeah, at the government level. And um, Look that shit up, people. I don't know if it's a word or not, but if it is, I'm going to use it. It is now. It really Shakespeare made up words. Why can't I? <laughs> All right, whatever. I'm a writer, Go, Beth. Too. <laughs> Go ahead. Make up your shit. I'll um, make up words too. But um, you know, I guess if if I had you know other places, I could I could have been born. I'm not sorry it was here. Yeah, I I can honestly say now when we lived in Germany for a while, we we're like, oh God, we need to live here. We need to move here. You know, we love Germany so much, and the states just haven't figured it out. But you know what? The truth is, the states does have it figured out. You know, for us, for our liberties, for our freedoms, because that's what we're used to. You know, it would be different if we were born in Germany, right? If we were born in Germany, we wouldn't have that clash. You know, but we weren't. We're privileged. I mean, I was, but I was born in America. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Quit quit playing. Yes, you were born in Germany. Whoop-de-doo. But I was born an American, so, you know, it's still the same. So who else have we not heard from in a while that we need to give a shout-out to? I know that my Aunt Donna listens. Yeah. I know that Aunt Sarah and Lindsay listen. I want to believe that even my Uncle Frank overhears me from time to time. <laughs> because every single thing I hear about my Uncle Frank, he just sounds so damn cool. And, you know, I hope to meet him one day, and I hope that, you know, I at least have some traits from mom's side, you know, so I kind of want to see that brotherhood, you know, I want to see what it looks like from my, from my mom's side, you know, we were talking this morning about your sister, not Melody, but your other, I don't want to say her name because we don't have contact with her, right, but your younger sister, um, you have had like limited contact with, um, yeah, next to none really, yeah, but you did, mention her this morning because you were saying when you were young you know you said uh my little sister and i was like wait a minute right that's weird it was in regards to that commercial yeah it's so weird to hear you say my little sister so you actually have a memory that you haven't shared with me until now and so that was pretty cool that's what brought up all this stuff and it's just crazy it's fate see that you picked a question about memories because we were talking about memories this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because all, all these questions are different. Oh, they're not all about memories? No, no. Some of these questions are like, what's your favorite ice cream? Hmm. You see? I so, could do that. I don't know. I don't have a favorite. Yeah, let's not even. You're like Switzerland about everything. You just love everything. Well, if I say that I have everything. a favorite, then, then I feel like I've, I'm denying myself of all the other flavors So this I is what try. you say. Then you don't say what's your favorite. You say I like what. Everything. Then you say what is what is your least um, favorite. Mm. So you start with your least favorite. Anything with an almond in it. Now I like almonds, but I don't like them in my ice cream. Oh, I love I love nuts and everything. Even in my um, fruit, you can put fruit in my ice cream. I like that. You not, would. Not nuts. You would. And see, I'm a nut person and you're a fruit person. So you're fruity and I'm nutty. So together we're like a big fruit cake. Yeah. I'm good with that. I'll take that. I'm good with that. Okay, so we're wrapping up now. Okay. I want to give a shout out to literally every one of you that are listening or watching that y'all stick with us. We have 44 subscribers. 
I want to try to get to 50 though, people. So can you share us please with anybody who, I don't know, needs help sleeping uh, or wants to be entertained while they do household chores or just wants to hear a weird old Texas trans dude ramble on about insignificant crap, right? <laughs> or a trans woman talking about an amazing career. I think it's just a shenanigans. It's always shenanigans. Oh, I got to mention my mullet before we leave. Oh, right, right. See? Right. See? Oh, and hi, Carol. Oh, mind. of course. Well, yes. I mean, Carol's always a topic of conversation. She'll be here soon. I keep saying that. She'll be here soon. And then we're going to put her right between us. And we're going to make her talk. Right? It'll right, Beth? Happen. Right? You it promise? Will. You promise you're going to help me hold it down? <laughs> Love you, Carol. Okay, guys. Thank you.